0: Episode 6! This episode, we're speaking to Skiz Fernando of Word Sound Recordings and Self Jupiter of Freestyle Fellowship. Now, for people that don't know about Word Sound Recordings, in the mid to late 90s, this was a really important, independent record label based in New York City that was the initial springboard for artists like Sensational, Anti-Pop Consortium, Mr. Dead, MC Paul Barman, Hard gangster Rappers with Gats. It was the place where Prince Paul debuted his solo album. Scotty Hard's debut solo album came out on it. Word Sound helped popularize terms like illbient and crookland Dub, and it was a really important record label for me. So this conversation meant a lot, and I think we go into some really interesting history. Skiz Fernando is Word Sound's CEO, He's a producer. He works under the names Spectre and The Ill Saint. He's a filmmaker and an author. To start off, I asked Skiz if he would relay some rarely heard hip-hop history, which is something that he outlined in his book, The New Beats. So here he is, Skiz Fernando.
1: Yeah, because, you know, I'm a student of history. You know, that was my major in college, and um, I'm always, like, digging to see where stuff came from. And really, the the history of Jamaican music kind of parallels a lot of American music, too, because, you know, they're so close. And even, you know, from the 50s, R&B music used to make it down to Jamaica, and then they used to do their take on it, and it came back as ska or something like that, you know? And the the exact same thing happened with hip hop and the whole sound system scene. The sound system scene developed in Jamaica, the whole concept of a DJ playing records on a big sound system with big speakers outside, because basically that was like the radio station in the in the ghettos of Jamaica, because people couldn't even afford a transistor radio. So that was their music. And that was directly exported to the Bronx In 1968, when Cool Herc is Jamaican, he came straight from Jamaica and he brought that style with him, playing records on a big sound system like that. And Cool Herc is acknowledged as the founder of hip hop. And that was his thing. When he played, he had the most powerful sound system in the Bronx. He had the loudest sound system in the Bronx, you know, but he couldn't play reggae records in the Bronx. You know, he was playing the stuff that people there listen to. James Brown, you know, funk, soul, R&B. But he wasn't even, the thing that he did differently was he wasn't even playing the whole record. He would play just a small portion of, of a record which had like a little breakdown where the percussion would be dominant. And that was basically where the breakbeat comes from. So, you know, so many of the early pioneers of hip hop, you know. Came from the Caribbean. Even, you know, Grandmaster Flash, Africa Bambada, they all have Caribbean roots too. So this whole idea came from there and look what it's become today.
0: Yeah. And it seems like there continued to be a pretty heavy Jamaican influence up through the, like the mid 90s at least. Yeah. And it it goes
1: back and forth, you know. Yeah. Yeah. When hip hop was big into the auto tune and shit here, that went back to Jamaica. That, you know, so it's constant. That's that's the thing with music; it's constant cross fertilization, fusion. You know, that's kind of like the cool thing about music, and it never—it's never constant. You know, it's always changing into something else. So
0: Yeah. When did you come into the Illbient scene? I, I really want to hear about that because that's something that a lot of people don't know about, including myself. Until recently, I kind of read a oral history online about that, but I think that was an important chapter,
1: right? Yeah. I've seen that oral history, and the same guy wrote a book recently, which is out, just out. Mm-hmm. And you know, that whole that whole Ilbian thing is just a uh, fabricated scene. Really, it never existed. You know, it just it existed to the media, but that's about it. You know, they tried to cram everything into one thing, and it you just can't do it. You know, because first of all, I was there. You know. And I, I, I know exactly what was happening at the time. And none of us even liked each other. You know, we knew about, we knew each other, but, you know, we're, we're young, 20-something shits, trying to, you know, thinking that we're cool and you're not. So there was never any, any type of scene like that. Like, as far as I was concerned, we were the unseen. Word sound, you know, we were not trying to be part of a scene. We were the unseen. We were like the terrorists, the base terrorists, you know, operating covertly. And even, even when the wire came and took that picture, I, I covered my face. I didn't want to be seen. It's not about that, you know. But as far as, I, as, far as I'm concerned, you know, Manhattan, they were doing their whatever they were doing. I, I didn't even know what they were doing. I'm talking about DJ Spooky and all those people the only people who i saw actually doing something were our word sound you know, the people that i know laswell who was right up the street in greenpoint and also we which is dj olive and loop who were right down the street from laswell you know it was like you could you could walk on this arc where a lot of activity was happening and The proof is in the pudding. I mean, we put out, we put out like 65 albums in a span from 94 to about 2002. Not financed by anyone else. You know, just total underground shit. To be honest, Bill Laswell funded the first album. A thousand bucks, you know. We pressed up, you know, 500 copies, sold it on consignment and stuff like that. And then just... Built it up like that.
0: What exactly was the inspiration going into it that made you want to start the label in the first place?
1: You know, by this time I was making music, you know, and you need a, you need a place to put it out. Mm-hmm. And I knew a lot of other people who, around me who were making music, you know, Professor Shahab, this guy from Iran, Doc Israel had a studio down the street where we all worked out of You know, there's a ton of people like at that time, this was like, now we're talking about 90, 91, 92. Williamsburg was like a bombed out. It was like a wasteland. I don't know if you've been to New York. Yeah, a little bit. But Williamsburg now, I'm sure you've heard, you know, Williamsburg, you know the name. Yeah, yeah. It is like the trendiest, like cleanest, you know, most fashionable area in, in Brooklyn, you know? but when i was there it was lit this in 92 what is that almost 30 years ago it was just bombed out like no one wanted to live there only people who wanted to live there was the artists cuz you could have a whole you could have a whole loft like 2000 square foot for yourself for like a couple hundred bucks you know just watch out for the crackheads on the corner and the prostitutes shooting dope in your stairwell and shit you know But we didn't we didn't care about shit like that. That was kind of that was kind of that edge was kind of cool, you know, because it kept certain people out. And there used to be there used to be these empty warehouses on the right on the waterfront. And we used to bring generators in there and throw parties in there, too, for free. Nice. And then later we took it to Laswell Studio. Laswell had an amazing studio in Greenpoint, which is right up the road from Williamsburg five-minute walk and we started actually producing shit out of that studio at night and then he would let it there was a big third floor space on that studio and we used to throw parties up there with installations and music and food so it was like a it was like a re- to me that was the ilbian scene you know we had nothing to do with manhattan and any of these guys and and, that, and dj spooky was a total fraud he just came in and kind of just like scooped up all the credit of what other people were doing, you know.
0: People do not like that guy, I'm gathering. <laughs> He's got a good rap,
1: you know, and he and he hates all of us, you know, he hates all of us. And and I remember one time in in 1999 they had an end of the century festival in Nantes, France, and they brought all of us over. Like <laughs> and I think that's the first time I met half these people mm. who they call ilbian And Spooky got into a fist fight with one of the guys from We, you know, over who came up with the term Ilbian, you know, so that's how whack that whole shit was.
0: So leaving aside the other artists that were grouped under the name Ilbian, how would you describe the sound of your scene, the word sound, instrumental genre, how would you describe that sound?
1: I think it's I think it's like dub hop. That's what I used to always call it. Because there's the, the beat of hip hop and the bass line and the space of dub. That's how I describe my music really. My music is specter. My aesthetic went through the whole label, because you know, I was the A r too. I picked what we were going to put out. and it was really, it really seemed kind of random because, you know, at a certain point, like people just started coming to me with stuff. If I liked it, I put it out, basically.. Yeah. Sometimes, if I didn't like it, I'd put it out. We like the MC Paul Barman. You didn't like it. <laughs> why'd you put it out if you didn't like it? i hated that shit man no no hey listen no no disrespect to the pauls you know prince paul and paul barman but when paul brought me that record i was like i looked at him and i was like are you serious with 48 toes <laughs> and a pickle on his nose and this is the way the story go clack who's at the rack with the jackets it's black
2: italiano looking black cuz he's back hey what's up with these fucking chainy looking street gang jackets we started to slow dance i said no chance for romance if i have to wear condoms
1: cuz they and the only honestly the only reason i put it out was it prince paul is my friend and he needs to put you know he worked hard on this and he needs a place to put it and he believes in it so as long as he believes in it i can get with it but honestly, that was my least favorite release on words. And ironically, it was the one that did like second best. Next to Prince Paul Psychoanalysis. Prince Paul's Psychoanalysis did really well. You know, that did incredibly well. And actually, that got Paul a deal with Tommy Boy again and launched, relaunched his career. You know?
0: Yeah, definitely the Paul Barman didn't seem to fit. As much with the rest of the catalog, it seemed like an
1: outlier. That was latter word sound. Yeah, that was like two thousand yeah. in the two thousands. But uh, are you familiar with the Subterranean hits compilations? Yes, yes. I mean, that's that, that. There's some ill shit in there that can hang with whatever you got today. Even you know, like yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like I know so many people who make beats. You know, like Gingy Brown, Rob Swift. You know, all these guys like. They got beats, you know, and I'm kind of glad that the, that the beat scene came later on, you know, like the people got into that. Cause that, you know, I can, I can listen to beats for hours, you know, and I still make beats, you know, every night for pretty much. So.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about Prince Paul. How'd you meet him in the first place?
1: I met him through the book, through the new beats. I interviewed him for the book and he was, and he was real cool. And at the time, you know, while I was doing the book, I was thinking of starting the label. So I said, um, I said to Paul, you know, I think I'm thinking of starting a label. Um, how'd you like to do a record for me? And he was like, sure. And I, I basically held him to it. You know, I came back a few months later, and he was like, well, what, what, what kind of record do you want me to do? And I was like, I don't know. You're the, you're the artist, man. Do whatever you want. And I I don't think anyone has said that to him. So that's how he came up with psychoanalysis. That was from the bizarre, twisted mind of Prince Paul. and and i've seen him i've seen him say in interviews that you know he he's thankful for that cuz like yeah. basically that's full creative control you know do what do whatever the fuck you want you know you're the guy who made 3 feet high and rising i'm 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 like i was blown away just to know the guy you know right he's an amazing individual In hip hop you meet a lot of dudes. Most people are down to earth. You know, you got some attitudes, but Prince Paul was just so different from anyone I ever met in hip hop. You know, self-deprecating guy, always funny, always cracking jokes, you know, never serious. And just a a beautiful human being.
0: Yeah. And the way he tells it, like in those interviews that he had somehow kind of plummeted and he was at a dip at the time when you kind of helped boost him back up again. So...
1: And he, and he helped me, you know, he helped us, you know? Yeah. I think that was the 10th record on Word Center. And I think after that, we got a lot, a lot more eye, eyeballs were on us, you know? Because mm-hmm. obviously that record got a lot of press, you know, psychoanalysis. That also led to Handsome Boy and him working with Automator.
2: Yeah.
1: He did a remix of the Dr. Octagon.
0: Yeah. Now take me through the... History of your rap releases, because you know that's what I'm most interested in. Was Sensational one of the first guys you put out?
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, sure.
0: So let's talk about that. Like, how did you get introduced? What was your take on his whole production style and just whatever you want to say about Sensational? I'm fascinated by him.
1: All right. Well, I know him as Torture, so I call him Torch. Uh, I met Torch through the Jungle Brothers actually really through through laswell you know because i was a huge fan of the jungle brothers and they had done a they had done some work with bill and i told bill that, that i was really into the JB's. so he i met africa and af was really cool we used to hang out and then um bill was doing this compilation i think it's called valis destruction of syntax are you familiar with that
0: that does not ring a bell. I may have come across it at some point. Check it out.
1: Val, it's called Destruction Destructionist okay. Attacks. It was like a, you know, underground hip-hop compilation. I gave him a track and there was also a track on there from Torture and it was the most dusted shit like it was like <laughs> <laughs> can light up
3: the gym.
1: Here we go. What's up? Here we going oh, yeah, I right. so, 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 so so right so right. the right. Right. This this. the
3: place with me. I got the easy MC on the left side. Yo, yo, yo. The, left, yo, the left.
2: The left. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like this switches. This one like on the one home. I like blasting style. Yo, we going to
2: get
1: down. Ooh,
3: Mike
1: G. Yo 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 yo. You know, it was like all offbeat and sounded like it had been recorded on a cassette. Of course, which it was. And to me, that really stood out on that. And I was like, you I gotta meet. T- I'm- I gotta meet this guy. So I think I met him at Greenpoint. I met him. I met him kind of twice. I met him at Greenpoint, and then I met him at a Jungle Brothers session that my friend Scotty Hard was doing at the studio in Soho called Green Street. But this kid was just like, so retarded. He was just like, you got any weed? <laughs> That's like the first thing he ever said to me. <laughs> and he had this, he had this laugh, I was like, I can't even do it. It's like, uh, and he's got a smile like the Cheshire Cat, you know, he can, char- he can charm you out of money, weed, whatever. And, like, you can't walk, like, 10 feet down the street with the guy without him stopping every single chick who walks by and asking for their number. I mean, it just, it it gets to be ridiculous after a while. But it's like, you know, out of 50 who say no, he might get one. Maybe he might get one number, you know, because he's so damn persistent. You know, and it's just like, and he's such a freak. It's just like, who, who would, who would want to talk to you, man? You're like a freak. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, <clears throat> torch is like my little brother, man. I've uh, we've been around the world a few times, you know, and I've had to put up way too much of his shit, so I can basically just say whatever the fuck I want about him. And I hope he's listening, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> But he's just, he's, he's out there, man. I He's, there's, honestly, honestly, and I, you know, I've met them all, man. I've met, I've met them all. ODB, Cool Keith, Lee Perry. I've met all the, the crazies, the so-called lunatics in the realm of music. But this guy. No one can top this guy, man. He's so out there. He is so far out there. You know, he recorded the the vocals through headphones. No way. That's awesome. All the vocals on the album are recorded through headphones, man, on a four track. That whole album was done on a four track. Wow. He's like Lee Perry. He would record like a kick snare hat and then bounce that onto one track as a four track then record some other sounds, bounce it down. And he kept on bouncing. That's why Mm. it sounds so degraded, right? It sounds like so, like, I mean, there's dudes who try to calculate to get that type of sound, and they can't get it. And this guy just came up with it. (laughs) That's like, that is some genius, man.
0: I want to know, like, how much awareness he had about how weird his sound was.
1: It's all intuition, man.
0: Did he realize how different it was, though?
1: You know, it's just his whole life was intuition. He, he didn't have a job. He didn't go to work or anything. He was out all night, usually. I mean, I gave that guy probably like $5 a day for like 10 years. I probably gave that guy, yo, oh, give me $5. I got to take the subway. Give me $5. <laughs> I mean, I have, so, I have so many stories about that guy. I, mean, I, got, I wish that guy had become famous. Because I could write such a slamming book about him, man. I could write such a freaking slamming book about him. Imagine like on tour in Japan. Oh, man, I, wish I, could tell, I wish I could tell you some of these stories, man. I wish I could tell, tell you.
0: Tell us uh, one. Tell us one story,
1: can you? I can't, man. I, I can't, man. I can't. I can't <laughs> blow him up like that.
0: All right. All right. <laughs> I'll let him tell his own stories someday. I'll have him on
1: here. That's all I can say about it, man. He's out there. And, you know, at a certain point, everyone who deals with Sensational eventually burns out on him because, you know, sometimes you got to go to extremes, man. I, you know, I can tell you so many stories about this guy, but, you know, it's all good. I, you know, I wish him well, you know, I, I wish him well.
0: Yeah, Scotty Hard kind of suggested similar things. How'd you meet him in the first place?
1: Scotty is, was like my neighbor in Williamsburg. And it took this guy from England to introduce us, this guy Kevin Martin, who's known as The Bug. Ah. Who, who also used to be techno animal and God and ice and all those things.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about him too.
1: Uh, he was a friend of mine. He was a journalist at the time. And he was like, hey, you know, you know, Scotty Hard. I was like, who? He was like, you know, New Kingdom, Scotty Hard. And I was like, no, he was like, hey, he lives in your neighborhood. So I looked up Scotty and sure enough, Scotty lived like a few blocks from me. And this guy is like legendary engineer, producer. I mean, he's worked with so many early hip hop people, so many people. And so after that, Scotty and me became good friends, and obviously because you know we're in, in all into the same stuff, and eventually he did, you know, I got him to do a, a record for-word sound, "Return of Kill Dog E." Yeah, a classic it was his solo debut. yep. You see the you know. More parable, more out the Four, five, six. and Scotty too is a great guy you know just beyond his talents and stuff just a just a beautiful soul beautiful individual you know I only fucks with people like that. I can only deal with like people who are who are clean at heart you know. Cause there's a lot of dirty shit in this business too you know in this industry in this world you know yeah
0: yeah you mentioned kevin martin too and he was someone that was pretty important to me back in like 98 or whenever when i got the ice bad blood cd i just like played that forever uh, all right <laughs>
3: between wars, and and trots and trots flesh,
1: Yeah, we put out the first bug record. Oh. Okay. But um I don't know how I met Kev, to be honest. But when I met him, he was a journalist, and I was a journalist. So, music journalists just know each other, you know, even if they're on different sides of the Atlantic. And he used to, he, he actually used to turn me on to a lot of good stuff, you know, and I turned him on to stuff. We actually eventually went on tour together, me, Spectre Sensational, and Techno Animal, when mm. it was him and Justin Broderick from Godflesh. And that was a crazy tour, man. They are so freaking loud. Oh, they, yeah. just, they just blow eardrums, man. It's just like not, it's not even funny. <laughs> they would just demolish venues, man.
0: Was that the, after they put out the Brotherhood of the Bomb album? Yeah.
1: Yep. And me and Torch would open up for them, you know. <laughs> then we would get the fuck out of there because we knew they were going to level that place, you know. So all the abrasion
2: The baritone and struggle for positions in the
1: terror zone. You gotta get out of there, man. You gotta you gotta evacuate. The brotherhood of the bomb is around. (laughs) But that's all it's all fun times, you know, it's all fun times. It was all it was this this independent underground music scene. You know, you could actually make a living off it. You know, like through the '90s into like the early 2000s. That's what I that's what I was making my living off of, which is incredible, isn't it? I mean, to be able to go into your studio and just make something and then put it out and then actually make money from it, where you can pay your rent and stuff. To me, that was just wild. So
0: Yeah, it seemed like a real golden era of independent music.
1: I'm thankful, you know, I'm thankful to be able to do it. And I'm thankful for the physical product, man, because I love vinyl, you know, I love to listen to it and to have it and to hold it and to look at the cover. I think you're missing out on a lot of, you know, that tactile, you know, attraction of something physical, you know.
0: Speaking of which, you've suggested that you have a basement or storage with tons of the old word sound catalog in it.
1: Oh yeah, three floors below me.
0: And you're not trying to sell that stuff, or what? It's just sitting there.
1: Well, you know, it's on everything is on Bandcamp. I admit I don't have a, a ton of vinyl. You know, mostly CDs. But but people can buy it on Bandcamp. Yeah, it's, it's every. Have you been to my Bandcamp?
0: Yeah, I guess I haven't noticed the um, physical
1: part. But, like, you know, we just put out a uh, – my, my pressing man is right down the street, too, in Baltimore, and he found a hundred – he found a box of 100 Best of Black Hoods on vinyl. Oh, nice. Um, compilation. And I just, I, just met, I just, like, put a message on Bandcamp, and, like, in, in literally a few days, I sold, like, 20, 30 copies. That's good. Yeah, um, you know, Black Hoods is like the sub-label of word sound. Right. Meant to be vinyl only, you know. And still, you will not get that stuff today digitally, which I'm proud of.
0: Yeah, I found some inferior MP3 rips of, uh, what's it called, The Truck Stop?
1: Oh, really? And actually, I also heard that Bill Laswell is putting out the Crazy Wisdom Masters on his band camp.
0: The full album? Yeah, I think so. You know, that's... Something I wanted to talk about too. You released an basically an EP of Crazy Wisdom Masters. No, but there's a whole
1: album, man. There's a whole album. Yeah. It's ill. And it probably should come out in its entirety now. Cause it, it could it could totally fit in today, you know.
0: Can you tell people that don't know about that whole rigmarole uh what, what it is and all that?
1: Basically, you know, I mean, it's like no one even cares about the Jungle Brothers anymore. Which is too bad because they're one of the hottest groups, you know, in that '80s period. But basically, you know, they did "Done by the Forces of Nature" for Warner Brothers, which is a, a, an incredible album, man. That's an, an, that's one of my favorite albums. "Done by the Forces of Nature." Are, are you familiar with that album at all?
0: You know, the first time I got it when I was little, I. Huh? I sent it had like a scratch on it and I sent it back to the Columbia House Records or whatever it was and and then never got it again because I listened to it and it didn't hit me I didn't get it. Like it was really different for the times and it was only just in the last couple of years I went back and I was like, Oh this album's amazing. Uh yeah, that one and then JB's with the Remedy. I was I was really into that too when it came out, but
1: well, that was JB's was, with the Remedy was the Remnants of Crazy Wisdom Masters because what happened was after done by the forces of nature, they were working on their next album and they met Bill and Bill just introduced them to way too much information at once. It was like information overload. They were meeting like Ornette Coleman You know, they were meeting all these crazy avant-garde musicians, John Zorn. Uh, You know, at the same time, they're doing a lot of acid and shit like that. uh, And so basically, they just went into outer space mode with Crazy Wisdom Masters. It was an album made in like 91, 92, but it is like so futuristic. It doesn't fit the time at all. It's just like, that's why I say now, probably now, 30 years later, People can finally listen to that and be, okay, wow, that's a good album. But back then, that was so cr- it was avant-garde shit, you know, because you know, that that's what they were going for, you know. More power to them, you know. Here was a group that had such commercial success, and they're on a big major label, Warner Brothers, and they turn in this album, and the executives are like, what the fuck is this? You know, and they are like, you gotta go back and remix this. And then what happened was it got watered down and they brought in other people. And that's what JB's with the remedy was. Yeah. It was like a watered down version of crazy wisdom masters, but I often wonder what would have happened if that crazy wisdom masters had come out at that time. I think it was way ahead of its time, but I don't know how many people would have you know, gotten it or even appreciated it. I, you know? Yeah,
0: I don't know. I wouldn't have been surprised if it kind of blew up on the alternative scene. There it could have,
1: yeah. Yeah, there it could have, you know?
0: Because they had a platform at the time. They were well-known. Yeah,
1: I mean, the Jungle Brothers were hot at that time, you know? Yeah. And the making of that album was crazy, too. It was just, you know, a lot of acid. And and it's all Bill Laswell's fault, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And they incorporated torture into that recording process yep. for some Horse reason. George was
1: like 15, 16 when, when he did that, I
2: you heard it. Try
3: to it. I I the I thing the the Little no
0: yeah, there was a, like a bootleg version going around of the supposed full album some years back. And I, I sent it to Bill Laswell and I was like, is this really the full album? And he said, no, it's not. So you're saying he, he already put out the, the proper one or he's going to?
1: I heard, well, that's what someone told me. They awesome. I to put that out on Bandcamp. So. Cool. That's a good thing.
0: You know, one other, well, two other artists I really want to talk about. But one is uh, M. Saeed of uh, Anti-Pop Consortium. You started working with him pretty early in the uh, word sound years. I
1: I haven't really done much with Saeed. He's been on a couple of Spectre albums, but... um, Okay. You know, I mean, we're friends, we know each other, but I've only done maybe like two tracks with them. Okay. For like on Spectre albums. Are you familiar with my catalog at all?
0: Yeah, yeah, I had the uh one of your albums back in the days. Um The End. The End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you have a new uh, EP coming out soon. You want to talk about that a little bit? You need to, you need
1: to get, get on Bandcamp, man, and check those out. You're missing out on a lot.
0: See, I was never a big instrumental music guy. I needed to have a human voice.
1: Uh-huh. Well, there's, there's lyrics on some of those.
0: Yeah, I'll have to go check it out more thoroughly. But talk about the, uh, the uh, EP you
1: got coming out. Okay, that's called Eminence Grise. And it's um, it's just inter- you won't like it because because it's, it's instrumental. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, I'm coming around <laughs> to instrumental music nowadays.
1: And it's really um, I'm actually going as the ill saint on this. Oh, okay. And it's really um, all the tracks I made this past year, this pandemic year. So it's really dark and sparse and eerie and creepy. Mm. It's 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 more mood stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's more ambient. And I and on purpose, I pull the beats, I pull the level of the beats down. Like I usually like to have crushing beats. I pull them down. Mm. You know? So it's not it's not like the beat is out front. There's a lot of other stuff going on. And it's very minimal stuff, so I think I think it would be great soundtrack stuff. Nice. And it's basically about this whole pandemic year. That's the vibe, and it will be it will be on vinyl too.
0: Awesome. Yeah. What label is it coming out on? It's coming out on
1: a label from Austria called Low Hop. Low Hop. Yeah, Low Hop. Check them out.
0: So let's talk about your new book. Hey, we got to talk about the Wu, man. Yeah. You got a new book coming out. Um, what's it called?
1: It's called From the Streets of Shaolin, The Wu Tang Saga. It's going to be like the most in depth exploration of a musical group and their ideology and their philosophy and their way of life and their influences and where they came from. And Through an examination of just Wu Tang, I'm just shining a light on so many other things, you know, racism, um, New York in the 70s, social justice, crime reform. There's a lot of issues in this book, but it's about a it's it's about a rap group, you know, but it's just locked into so much stuff that's happening now. You know, to George Floyd, you know, it's just like all of these things are just keep coming back and it's it's pretty deep, you know, it's, it's, even though it's a music book, it's about a lot more than just music. And I got to respect those brothers, you know, uh, because they came from nothing. And um, to a lot of people, it was, it was, it was almost a revolutionary act that they said, you know, the black man is God. But you know what, look what they did, look what they manifested, look what they created.
0: Yeah. What was your source material? Were you talking to any of them firsthand? or?
1: Well, during the 90s, I used to write for a lot of magazines. Rolling Stone, Source, Vibe, Spin. I think I've done a Wu-Tang piece for every magazine because once you develop a rapport with the group, at that time, you were known as the Wu-Tang guy. So if, if a magazine needed an article on Wu-Tang, i "Oh, call Skiz, That's, he's the Wu-Tang guy. Or you know, call Sasha Jenkins, he's the mob deep guy. Or call Cheo, he's the biggie guy. But well, actually the first time I met um, Riza was with Prince Paul. So there you go, it was different mm. from the beginning because I'm, I'm not meeting him through a publicist or something like that. I'm meeting him through another artist, right? Yeah. So I met, I met him that way and just developed a rapport with him over the years. So I've, I've probably interviewed RZA about 20 times in my life. I've interviewed the other guys multiple times as well. So I have a pretty good catalog of direct interviews with them. And then there's tons of other interviews with them. Yeah. So, there, you know, there's a ton of information, but I have the added advantage of having spent a lot of time with them between like 93 and 2000. Awesome. When does it come out? Hopefully it comes out this summer. It's listed on Amazon to come out on July sixth, but um, I just handed it in, and we haven't even started editing it yet. So, mm. and you know, I turned in over four hundred pages. So, be prepared to read, man. This is not a comic book, man. This is like real life. This is you're going to get an in depth look into, you know, the lives of some pretty deep people, you know, who have been through some deep shit. And they came out the other end like kings, you know. So it's like kudos to them because not many people can commit themselves to a cause like that and follow through and still come out the other end okay. You know, there's still, we're still talking about them like 30 years after the fact, you know.
0: Yeah, they're. Like you say, revolutionary, but revolutionary in several ways, I would say.
1: Yeah. And they're real. You know, they're real. They're not fabricated. This is real stuff, you know? They're dealing with real shit. So. Well,
0: I'll be reading it for sure. One other thing that I want to talk to you about is the Hod Gangsta Rappers MC's with Gats. Oh, yeah. They're so shrouded in mystery. The public isn't supposed to know or wasn't supposed to know their true identities. Are, are, are we allowed to say who they you were?
1: You wouldn't want to know them, believe me. <laughs> really? You would not want to know them. Why? I mean, they're very, clo- they're very close to their on-album personas, believe me. Hmm. These guys are, these guys, all I'll say is these guys are a mess, you know, and I'm glad I don't have to deal with them anymore. <laughs> wow. I mean, come on. Think about it. Who could make music like that? You would have to be pretty freaking out there, right? I didn't know that there was necessarily
0: a, a correlation, but yeah, if they're anything like their characters on the album,
1: they must be dirtbags. I mean, I guess you could say I guess you could say they're nerdy guys, but they're also <laughs> just completely blotto, too. So wow. It's a weird combination. Yo, the hop, I'm Running solo in a three-legged race like a torn
4: gum. I'm moved to smash in spit. Shit! Fuck! Motherfucking shit! I'm, uh, I'm blinking! Yes! My armpit! No, really? Ah! I'm
1: running amok! Running amok like fuck! I got the cat! Duck! Pointed at your nut! are not! Starting to look like a decoy duck! Cat's butt! You fat fuck! You- How'd you get involved with them? You know what? I just, I'm like a freak magnet, man. I consider myself a fairly normal guy, but somehow like people like sensational and hard gangsters and Mr. Dead and all these guys are constantly knocking on my door. You know, I don't know what it was, but, um, you know, it was a pretty sick time in my life living in Brooklyn in that, in that loft on, 129 North 11th street. That was the word sound compound. I lived there. I had a studio there and that was where a lot of amazing stuff happened, you know, and it didn't take a lot of money. It didn't take anything to make all of that happen. It just took the people who were involved and a love of what we were doing and maybe a lot of drugs, but (laughs) You know, you know, you
0: know. I suggest everyone go to wordsoundrecordings.bandcamp.com and check out the catalog there. I'll also mention that Sensational, who we talked about in the interview, I set up a GoFundMe for him because he's uh, he's not good at managing his money, apparently. He needs money, so if you, you appreciate his music, give him a few bucks, you know. You'll find that at Weird Sound. I mean... <laughs> You'll find that at weirdrap.com And this month's bonus episode Is an extra 15 minutes with Skiz Where we talk about his early influences And what led him to start writing for The Source And we talk about his arcane knowledge And after that we have an exclusive mix By Supreme Low Which is all sensational music It is a lot of his rare early works to some of his more well-known stuff and even one exclusive track it's all really tastefully affected and dubbed out and that is available for only three bucks at patreon.com slash weird rap in addition to that you get all the other weird rap bonus episodes including exclusive talks with anti-pop consortium new kingdom Kambada, Burzowski, Tokyo Cigar, and more. Now, we were talking about the Jungle Brothers Crazy Wisdom Masters project in this interview, and as Skiz mentioned, Bill Laswell did release the project on Bandcamp, but it's actually gone now. I don't know what happened, but he released an EP and an album that comprised most of what I believe was the Crazy Wisdom Masters project. Except there's a few songs that actually made it onto the JB's with the Remedy album, so they weren't included in Bill Laswell's release. In any case, I feel like there still hasn't been any complete proper release of this album. So what I did was I put together a YouTube playlist of all the tracks from Bill Laswell's release and from the JB's with the Remedy minus one track that I think sucks and minus some duplicate or near-duplicate tracks that came out on both releases. And yeah, you can check out that playlist, which consists of 18 songs, and I think it's definitely the best Jungle Brothers album ever, possibly the best Native Tongues album ever. In any case, just a, a beautiful listening experience, I think. So uh, yeah, I suggest you go check that out at youtube.com weirdrap, and next, we have our special guest correspondent, Beverly Fresh, and he's talking with Self Jupiter. They'll we'll get deep into Jupiter's creative process and his history with The Good Life, Project Bloat, and Freestyle Fellowship.
3: Yeah. The details got a little muddy. It's funny what people think of the fellowship or what was going on at the time. Yeah. You know. Like a lot of information wasn't so privy, you know, that people knew about.
4: Which yeah. brings me right, right. <coughs> That's where I step in, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We 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 totally want to talk <laughs> about that, about the details of the fellowship and good life. um But before we get into yeah. that, I wanted to to touch on one of your recent tracks, "Master's Lemonade." Um, yeah, I think it's it's complex and technical, mm-hmm. and it's at the same time. Uh, it's got this uh, kind of staggered, unexpected chorus. Can you tell us a little bit about your thinking behind that track?
3: Yeah, fun track. You know, my stuff that I kind of do now kind of have, you know, a great memory how we were doing things, you know, fellowship-wise.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So it does have a lot of fellowship kind of quality to it. And that chorus, I wanted it to be more of like, you know, not so... Um, I, I wanted to listen to the music and how it was, you know, because I think that's one of my my, my gifts, I, I would say, is that I listen to the music and figure out something that the producer might be thinking of. Like, what was he thinking when he made this? Or even a groove that, that's in there, but that it's not out there. Then you just ride the groove that's in there, which you hear, and it brings the song out. So I'm more in in
4: tune with the producer, More than just myself, just being a rapper. Yeah, so there's a synthesis between the two, and like I like how you said you kind of found this this hidden rhythm or unlock this yeah inner groove within it once the chorus opens up. I like that, right? And I just always want to tap into that,
3: and and obviously, yeah, you you want to you know you want to rap, but you want to say something at the same time, and. You know, you want to be funny, witty, all the, you know, things, character, personality, flow, time, take you away, shoot you right back into space, then
4: shoot you right back to, you know, the earth. All these little things wrapped into one, you know? Yeah, that's exactly one of the things I was thinking about with this track is that it's almost a fluctuation between the body or what's earthly Mm -hmm. and the spirit or a clear state of consciousness. So, like, Mm -hmm. I'll break down some of the lines, like come kick it with me live a simple life intricately completely uh and then you mentioned music's a ministry so it's like this ascension like right. getting away from the earth and the body and then you kind of bring us back down back into the body when you talk about i apologize for my delivery my voice is like a centipede living amongst these frenemies tentacles got these. a mind full of memories a lot of pain in my extremities sick of all this bickering you know back and forth it's killing me So it's like you're back on the earth with all of this burden. Um, And then the chorus comes and and then again, kind of it's like this ascension. It's opening up and you talk about do what you do, music and completely open and zen and trust your heart. So it's like a fluctuation. I thought of like leaving, leaving the earth uh, and then kind of getting pulled back into it. Yeah. But just what everybody deals with on a daily basis, you know? Yeah. It's
3: like infinite stars out there and we're worrying about little small crap or whatever, you know what I mean? Deliberately. I apologize on my delivery, my voice is like a centipede Living amongst these frenemies, tentacles got tentatives A bind full of memories, like lot of pain in my extremities Sick of all this bickering what you do, man, say,
2: open, trust
4: Yeah, has his is micro macro, uh, different perspectives for sure.
3: Yeah, and also fun. I mean, I was—you should have seen the, the the idea I had for the for the video. Just on some quads, mud everywhere. Just like ten of the homies, we all just having fun. Nice. Like you know, all slow motion. You know, mud flying everywhere. You know what I mean? We just like just
4: that that fun would have been my idea for the video (laughs) nice yeah i like that that's one one thing i wanted to ask is there's like this fierce delivery in a lot of your stuff but behind that it seems like this sense of humor or dark sense of humor um like in the hard hat area kind of like the the hitchcock intro and outro Mm -hmm.
3: good evening
4: i take it you all are wondering
3: why i'm dressed as a circus clown well for no reason actually
4: Let's just say I was feeling a little bozoish. I'm sorry I had to leave you guys. all Then you had this kind of non-sequitur anti-joke on the Project Blowed tape, which is like the knock-knock. Mm-hmm. Knock. Who's there? And then there's no... Oh, answer. yeah, knock-knock-knock. Yeah. yeah. Who's there? We did that. Me
3: and AC was playing around with this... Oh, was it a chord? Oh, my God, it would be the cheapest, like... It wasn't even a sample. It was just like a keyboard, and we just programmed some little... Whatever I think we was I think at the time we were mastering the album we uh, we were just playing around but uh, yeah you're right I always had these other side of the mirror you know like right. what the hell of, and then now I'm thinking about like I'm thinking of it like what the hell was you on do you know what I mean like <laughs>
2: knock 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 who's there
3: knock 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 who's there who the fuck's there, there? there? a lot of times I, I'm, I'm starting to realize we don't know what the fuck we was doing. it it was the accumulation of things I guess you was going through and you had people just looking at you crazy like, what the hell? just Like, this dude's kicking some crazy shit and they would not even know that type of shit, but it it probably teetered on hanging a lot with uh, older cats, you know what I mean? Right. Like, older cats was kind of like saying those things or that bebop talk, you know, it was a talk. You know, it's like we were 80 years old and we was only like
4: 20. (laughs) Yeah. Barely even 20 years old, so would you say you're drawing, like channeling or drawing from the subconscious in a way? Like-
3: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say that a lot of times, you know, you can look at it in so many different ways. I think more than anything, I've always been in drama class. You know, I read so many different books. You know, Dean Koontz, obviously one of my favorites. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, just a lot of reading novels and stuff like that through my um, childhood and stuff like that. And then also, you Know my jazz background and
4: stuff like that, so
3: it's, it's a soup,
4: yeah. So that's the intersection you have the jazz influence, this literary kind of uh comedy and tragedy. Um, yeah, exactly. And beyond those influences, what makes you create? What gives you the urge to make something? Like, can you pin down where that comes from?
3: Um, I think if you have a well, I used to have these, but I still do, I, I, I like dreams of like i wake up in the middle of, a, of sleep just i have to jot something down yeah just have to like put that i'm like oh my god this is gonna be crazy and then i'll put it into my phone and then i just save it so i just always think that's an open door whether it's a line or a paragraph or something i might not even get to it to a at time somebody might give me a beat or i might be at a session or something or i might tell the homie and the homie to be like, oh, I got something that'll go with that. Like, AC, be like, what? And then he'll bust something that was similar. And then we'll get Mike. Mike would be like, oh,
4: man, I check this out here, run through some pages or something. Yeah. So that's a song.
2: <laughs>
4: so you, you don't have like a disciplined, scheduled writing practice where you do like write a rhyme no. like you or something that you, you let it come to you?
2: Mm-mm.
4: Not, no,
3: because I, I already know like I want to keep it fresh. un- tainted to a beat that I'm my liking that I can delve into it I got a phone full of just open doors where it can be a chorus where it can be a verse where it could be a whole song just know that I'm never going to a session without
2: anything
4: (laughs) yeah I like yeah I really like that idea the open doors and kind of channeling these thoughts in a way Mm -hmm. and one of the things I, I was thinking about like looking into your practice and thinking about the subconscious and its connection to freestyle and what might come out mm-hmm. in a freestyle and you know does it surprise you can you rationalize it afterwards and thinking about like does the the subconscious or the the unconscious mind know what it needs and i was uh mm. yeah i've been kind of uh anxious in lockdown and not not being able to focus on my work i've been kind of spread thin yeah. And I practiced uh, a track the other day and I felt immediate like relief. And then I stumbled upon this. Um, this is kind of pseudoscience in my half-baked research, but like mm-hmm. the vagus nerve, I guess, you know, relieves stress and, and regulates and through chanting, through humming, through vocalization. Yeah. It's stimulated. And I was like, right. does the, you know, does the body know it's calling out? It's giving me this urge to, mm. to freestyle or to rap or to, you know, practice or whatever it is. In order to like kind of calm yourself down hmm.
3: yeah that's deep I, I i um i think that might apply more to mike yeah yeah because he's always rapping like rap boy yeah but for me i think it was always i wanted to show off you know what i mean mm-hmm. that, you know somebody be rapping and then and i'll do something like oh wow look at that. everybody look at this guy you know what i mean Mm-hmm. So I kind of just wanted just to show out and make words show out for me. Basically just showing, showing off. You know, I just take the mic from you and you're not doing nothing with it. And I think that was kind of what my approach, even now, you know, there's so much stuff out there. I don't want nobody to just put mine to the side. If they heard it once, you know what I mean? Maybe to be like, dang, okay, that's something um, different. You know, that's, that's different from anything I ever heard. And I kind of want to still keep that a little bit. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I do make just cool melodic, you know, stuff too.
4: You know, not everything's crazy. Yeah. I noticed that there was this kind of balance where, you know, some things are a little bit more straightforward Mm -hmm. um, and then other things are very textured and dense and layered narratives. And I was thinking about the form and Mm -hmm. like, if we divorce the lyrical content and just think about the form of like your main style of rapping, this kind of jazz influence, scatting bebop uh style mm-hmm. what does that communicate alone or what does that express disregarding the lyrical concept but just thinking about the form itself
3: um kind of i don't know for me it, it's it's you know uh, the way you say things could be interpreted different ways um the way you you know you could be happy but it'd be on you know, some dark type thing both of the you know, dual. it's like you can, everybody might take it a different way, you know? Right. I just didn't know no other way to make music. You know, I only do my way. Like I, like when I hear something, it's never like, oh man, I wish I could do that. For instance, some people start off rapping a billion miles per hour. But you know what's so crazy is that they can't slow it down. They started off, you know what I mean? Right, And I had this talk with bus driver. I said, man, you know, you need to slow that shit down, man. And the minute I said it, he said, what do you mean? I said, you just, you started off. I understand you started off, you know, wanted to be one of us. Yeah, I'm just going to have to get it, you know. So right. slow that shit down for a while, you know, and he tried it yeah. and, and he did it, you know, put it in his repertoire, but he learned how to slow down, He know, obviously, you know, how to go fast, but it's just it's mastering all the things. And I knew I had to learn that because AC was the best teacher of that. Cause he always kept it in that nice pocket, you know, pocket boy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And I could never do that. I always got to put an extra word or something in something to throw you off. I said, why, why can't I just be regular, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: And, and, you know, it, it, it became, it became to where like, you know, well, learn how to do that. And people like that. And that's another thing too. What, works at shows is different than anything. You know, like, oh, that works at shows. Oh yeah. You know, that's where you master all the things and you know, to where, you know, yeah, get this guy some money and send him around the
4: world. (laughs) That's where you want to be ultimately as a MC. Yeah. Can you can you describe like the state of mind that you get in uh during a live performance? Because like looking at the good life footage, there's an intensity. Yeah.
3: yeah
4: there's an intensity like can you describe that state of mind like when you're when you're letting off uh what what is it well i would say
3: the intensity would just be Uh, How it was then, I think, like I was describing earlier, it was the feeling that you was real about your craft and you wanted people to take you serious. And uh, it was like, you know, I I own this
4: right here and listen to what I do. It seemed like the good life was this, you know, this breeding ground. Like you had the fiercest MCs in the world there all at once and you guys are playing off each other's energy and Mm -hmm. collaborating. Were you part of good life and its inception? Like, how did that, that come together? Um, yes, I was the very first, one of the very first, well,
3: I, we had got a flyer. Um, I'm not sure who got the flyer. Uh, it might've been Mike. It said something about, um, like, open mic, uh, poetry, health food, all that stuff. Yeah, so I think we went, first night, and we were just entertaining each other with raps that, you know, we didn't know each other had. We, it was just started off with just us. So yeah, I was the very first day. I remember the very first day vividly. Yeah, um, wheatgrass. You can get you a little cup of wheatgrass for about three bucks or something like that. And uh, it was a rock band that used to come here. And then it was so funny because they was just I don't want to say garbage, but they just kept coming back. Everything happened. I only think within a year we didn't went from not everybody not people knowing about us until being signed and everybody knowing about us. It only took a year. Wow. Less than a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? From that very moment, the first time we were there, the next year we were signed and everybody in the city, everybody was like, you know what I mean? 902, one people was coming there, Far Side, Snoop, everybody, Corrupt used to kill it every week. You know, he'd come in two weeks straight You he'd just be like, just kills it. And don't come back for like another month. And a lot of times we just stayed outside, stayed out. It was it was so packed in there, it was like, uh, uh-huh. or I might be like, Yeah, I signed my name. I'ma go rap. And AC obviously gonna probably do it every time, you know, he's gonna sign and rap, you know. What I mean, Mike is just like, oh Mike, you just you know, everybody to hear Mike. But yeah, those are the times and I and, and I like to put time stamps on things because when they say 15 seconds of fame, <laughs> you really do have that. <laughs> but, hey, it, it, it seemed longer. It seemed like right. a lifetime.
4: Yeah, I mean, it seems like magic. I mean, it's, a, it's legendary, and it seems like a really beautiful culmination that yeah. just happened organically. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a, a special moment, something that, that was meaningful, something that happened there, or just a crazy story, or anything that sticks out from that time of the good life? Um, not really. It was so many different ones.
3: Um, peace was so crazy back then, it yeah. still is, but he was younger than us, so it was everything was just dude. You who do you think you are? who do you think you are? Like, a like hundred, no, I don't want to say a hundred thousand percent confidence. Yeah. Like, how can a person like you just exist? Like, you have so much, like, you would just literally say, You can do anything, huh? You can catch a bullet, huh? In your teeth, huh? Yeah, I can. Like he in his mind, he probably felt he could, you know, for him to get in the group, it was almost like, "What? You like somebody else? That's crazy. <laughs> you actually like somebody else. <laughs> he just took it like, you're in the group, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we all um, that was the thing that we all radiated from one another. You know, it can't happen unless all those four uh, things are in place. Like you, I would have to be there for Mike to be at his highest. I think it came from us bagging back in the day to where you still have to prove to me that you're good. Right. When you know I know you're good. Like <laughs> so you're really showing out for me? Right. Okay, I
4: got something for you then. Nice. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's the fun of it all.
4: Yeah, it seemed like that. There was a camaraderie, but you're also right. inspiring and challenging one another. And that's why I think yeah. the skill and the craft was so high. Um, because of that right. relationship, I bet. Yeah, and um, and fu-
3: and 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 fun. It wasn't like a torment right type situation, but I tell you this: it was a lot of stress, as I remember. Um, I think the stress came, and this is the part I really did. I, it was so many, so much fighting. Not with me. It was just like I'm looking at the you know the fact that like, we're gonna be able to go tour Europe. You know, we get out the hood, and you know. I saw a vision. I was like, "Man, y'all, y'all, y'all tripping, dog." It was just like, "I'm out the group." I'm like, Shh. "So everybody's, everybody's money in limbo now."
2: Like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, cause one guy want to walk away from the group. Oh, you quit? Okay. All right, buddy. We gotta talk to this guy nice now. Do say you're sorry. Do you? You know. All right, we back. All right. Hug it out. <laughs> yeah. And I was the dude really calming down a lot of things too. Like, focus, dog. What the fuck? You can't let this throw you off. You know what the hell? He's gonna be him. It's a grown ass man. You know. You're right. You know. And so when I was gone, it, that didn't happen no more. It was like no um, buffer.
4: So, in terms of recording the second album, uh, were you guys writing together? Were you freestyling? Like, what was how was the how were the tracks coming together? Would you pick out a theme, or did it happen organically? Um, so Mary I found the beat to Mary I found the music that's why you look on the
3: credits and say oh Glenn I, I think I, I went to the record shop or something I bought I bought this um, Manzini record or something I got high and I was waiting for this fool AC to come to the house to come over because that record made me cry almost like and laugh I was just so dope yeah. and I was like woo I was like, dude, you got to hear this. and he, he almost cried. <laughs> we got to do something of like this fool. So everything that we had like gave it to the producers. Y'all handle that. Mm-hmm. They did their shit and just like, oh my god, that motherfucker is so dope. <laughs> you know that's how it was we already had stuff um to present them this is what i want or i might hand them a industrial beat sample
4: like it'll it'll just flip it or whatever and just that'll be like you know play it cool but in in terms of the raps like 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 putting together heavyweights for example like. Did you guys oh, right. freestyle aspects of that? Did you, you know? Right. Well, Mike is Mike is his own uh, worst critic. Like, it could
3: be the most blow-up shit we ever heard. He don't like it. He want to do another take. <laughs> We're like, dude, you just, you'll never do that take again like that. I got this, dude. And he never does it the same way. So it's a lost take. So we learned over the years, do not let Mike record again.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. you know he might just blow up and just do something you know whatever Be like we're keeping it hey, y'all serious yes we're serious I and mean, get out the booth we're keeping that you're not doing nothing you're not doing nothing else Peace will be like whatever he does is gonna be whatever it is he's yeah. a one take Jake um is a one take Jake sometimes mostly he's a one take Jake he's less of a freestyle um uh, so uh, me, I, I think um, I have to do a lot of little um, takes. Just like, yeah, say me on that. And then, um, you know, and I'm going to come back and do another one. And then, we, you know, we just, you know, pick and choose which one's the best. <laughs> I ain't trying to waste no time with this shit. And, and then also, too, he with a real good producer. He's going to know what to keep and what not to keep. Right. And so it was us, but it was more about the production and how, they orchestrated and they knew more about us than we do about ourselves. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah. and to answer your question, how much is freestyle? Say, for instance, we in a freestyle session, you know, we're killing it or whatever. And uh, somebody's like, did you know what you just said, fool? That shit was ill. You we just, we just went to that. So we'll use what somebody said that was a freestyle and we'll remember it and use it in a chorus. Okay. You know what I mean? So, yes, yeah, so a lot of that stuff was freestyle or it came from
4: a freestyle. And we used it accordingly. Okay. So you guys are like writing, but then also improvising together. And then it's like you take what was improvised and refine it or edit it down in some way. Yeah. Right. Nice. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, where, and and that was just a part of you, you guys growing up, you were into jazz, you were into that sensibility yeah. towards improvisation. And, and for the most part, we wanted to destroy MCs really like. You know the hoo
3: ha's It didn't come from jazz. Right. It came from I want to want to blast this. You know what I mean? The most craziest. You know, just just you know beat somebody up, man, really bad. Yeah. And 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 that happened. Serving MCs was like real, and we used to hit it yeah. with crazy shit, like to where they just leave. Like I can't I can't do nothing with that. You know, like yeah, we want you to say that you had
4: enough. Say yeah. that. You know. Yeah. I was thinking about um that line, we will never fall the fuck off, we promise, like yeah. that chant and like yeah. how you know, at the time it was keep it real and how you take it a step further with this is eternal, like we'll never fall off. And it, it's a promise to yourselves and to the audience, and it's repeated. Yeah. And it kind of becomes like I was thinking about like a Greek chorus almost. It's a message from the gods that has to be repeated in order to be understood because there's so much there. Um, So I was kind of relating that back to some of the ritualized vocals that you guys were doing.
3: We felt that, like, the people that we were really fucking with, like, inspired by, were falling off for the fame or whatever. Um, Yeah. Like, what the fuck is Big Duddy Kane on? Oh, man. That fool is garbage. Like, right, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, get this trash out of here. You know, they fell off. It was just disappointing. Like, what the hell? We what,
4: what? did some time and there was speculation on that like potentially affecting like the outcome not being able to tour. Do you feel comfortable talking about that or like kind of what happened after the second album came out? I mean, out? I'm pretty much an open book.
3: It's it basically was um kind of saved my life actually. Um I used to just look at AC and like, you know, they was in the neighborhood rapping. I wasn't that guy rapping like them. I used to look at them like, damn, them just is dope and <laughs> like literally something dope or you know, into some street shit or whatever because it was the hood. I didn't have, my pops wasn't around and my mom used to, you know, go to work and I didn't really have nothing to I played football. Like I got shot uh, my last year of high school, um, my Achilles. So, that didn't take off. Um, um, football didn't. And, I, I was always a fan of hip hop, you know, so I started, like, writing rap, but I never told nobody. I was just, just writing just, just like I could. I uh, might get to the, you know, the jail thing later, but, I think that was the one of the reasons. Like I'm I'm I wasn't like that. You know, these guys never went to jail and always stayed true to their art, you know. And I think when I got money from, you know, from doing the, the, the rapping thing, I think, um shit, I didn't have no money like that before. As soon as it became like empty, I'm like, what the hell am I do? You know, shit. Yeah. So I started doing getaway car like driving. That's how I got busted being a getaway driver guy. Yeah. <laughs> not even a dude that's like literally with a little with a gun and you know just a driver and got caught up and then when i went to jail i'm like oh my god so i'm i'm with cats i grew up with one of my og guys i haven't seen in so long he has inner city griots and i don't know how many times he probably listened to this motherfucker like he he been like he got life like probably never get out of jail like prison but he had our shit like as like it was a bible word like if you. Rumpel with Paige, you're going to get stabbed or something. Like, it's like, like, he had it. Like, we were the, like, you know, like, you, what you mean you enjoy, you, you here? you supposed to be outside of, you know, this was you and you supposed to be with them boys, you know. <laughs> it's it's uh, Souls on Ice in here, boy. Get your ass out. I don't want to see you come back again. <laughs> and it was just more than just him. It was like, you know, he was in a newspaper at LA Times and they get in saving clippings and stuff like that. Oh my God, so I'm getting the, when I do go to jail, they like mad. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Put my head on straight like, no, that's not you. Get back out. So, you know, if I didn't have that, you know, and and the whole thing is like, yeah, be true to the art. It's kind of where I was when I came out. Put all that old stuff aside, and stick to all, I'm making music. honestly think that we would fall. We be the most inventive of them all. Blackest inventives in search of resolve. Fellowship's plates last onto the wall. I will consume the shit out your close Got y'all
4: in check, we smell next how about themes like uh play it cool, for example. I talked about this like theme of cannibalism. Oh, yeah, I remember Nash, that. like throughout the song. Is that something you guys did decide on ahead of time or how did that come oh, about? It was pure organic. Okay, mm. do you remember who wrote their verse first? yeah, me, okay.
3: <laughs> uh, we don't know why we do the things we do and it and it takes on its own kind of language and shape,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um the things that you conjure up, conjuring, yeah, like um um turning around and around my darling turn. I know where that came from it came from that that came from a um it's 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 all visual. It's the things that you saw when you watched something like Twilight Zone. Okay, it was the something that came on TV. It was something dainty, something um, 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 like. Um, and then turning around, turning around, it made me think. Later on, we had a song called Project Tabitha,
2: and. <laughs>
3: it, it, it was a code or whatever, but we end up doing that on forty-eight oh eight dash four nine nine. Once again, you had fallen into the hands of some sort of spark that conducts, like conceivings like that reacts, locks, like magic life activates. It's so bad the place. It's all like shift from the way. The oh, most you can do is watch the shell break and see even stipulate. But the the code was like like a Morse code. So we're making words to the Morse code or some type of sound or whatever.
2: Oh, that's amazing.
3: it was conjuring up something deep and then you you know you keep chanting you know, and it became something of its own. It became you know
4: something of, something entirely of its own. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> the line juggling jars full of souls. Like it seemed yeah. to me like sorcery, witchcraft, like you're drawing yeah. from other dimensions, other eras. So it seemed... Yeah. And 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 then also too with that it was like a dance like because
3: we used to perform at clubs and we used to be in the middle of a dance floor. But we all got mics and all the like lights and stuff or whatever strobe lights would be going, and and people are around us, kind of like looking in, and and we just like just killing it, and it's like we're not on a stage. We we at the bottom where everybody else is at, mm-hmm. you know. So the the visuals of stuff that we were going through, it made sense to us. We didn't know if it made sense to other people. We really didn't care, other than the structure because uh, ACR is strictly for just um structure, you know. Yeah. So if it gets too crazy, AC will be the guy that throws in something. It wasn't so loosey-goosey. Everything has a purpose. Yeah. So it's not random. Right. Nothing is really random. It's just I, I hope you know like what we did. If you come and tell me later on that you know what you, we did on that, you know, then then I'll shake your hand. Right. <laughs> so that what we was waiting for. Like, damn, we went really intricate on that opening. We did really intricate on the way we sequenced that. I wonder if people are going to, like, do people really care about that or no? Well, no. But that's what we did. And we, that's what we continue to do. I would, I would say that
4: I mean, people definitely notice in you know, the kind of underground backpack scene. Jonah talked about this with uh, Sunspot Jones last episode. But, you know, late 90s, right. early 2000s, I think your group was like the main inspiration for a lot. Like you mentioned Sage Francis earlier, like a lot of the Anticon yeah. guys. Um, right. And I know Peace went out to Scribble Jam and, and Battle People. Yeah, yeah. How did, you, mm-hmm. how did you all feel about that That influence that you had on, you know, the, those younger MCs of the, the underground in the late 90s, early early aughts?
3: I remember I was saying to myself, like, dang, look what we spawned. I was also kind of like um kind of jealous a little bit, the fact that we didn't have um we were um coming from the good life, so um back then uh, how it was so early, the whites didn't really even come to the hood, like um we were doing shows at you know u c l a you know like we didn't really have a crowd- a hip hop crowd to later inner city grabs, we would be like 93 94 we were we was like performing at that time it was it was the turning of like how say foresight was coming out we were all around the same time that was all new it was weird it was it was different it was different from what everybody else what, what was happening then you know um um jump jump everybody want to jump it was that thing going on you know so. Um, later on we started seeing like damn like this guy got this many people like for an example rhyme sayers like if we would have stayed with the project blowout we're gonna take this we're gonna have another group do this that's what we were thinking you know what i mean yeah yeah we're gonna take over the world with just shows and we're gonna have like over a hundred of the homies and we're gonna have so many people in this you know that was the thinking right so um when we started seeing other people doing it, it was like, oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. That's could have been us. You know, if we would have stayed
4: business minded and like
3: stop letting egos and let's get down and integrate.
4: Yeah, it's yeah. This, this is just my speculation in, in my own experience, but it seemed to me like the rhyme sayers kind of phenomenon, like that wave of like underground or independent to like a little bit more mainstream status. It seemed to me because I was, you know, a teenager during like the late '90s, mm-hmm. and that's when I found out about Project Blode. Um mm-hmm. I was a fan of Freestyle Fellowship, but I didn't know about Good Life and about that scene yet. And I kind of saw the independent spirit that you all had, and mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of people like me that were just like isolated from a, a major city and like just digesting like mainline and freestyle fellowship you know it was just like it was what we were craving um and then i think like scribble jam and the internet kind of happened and everybody yeah all these like you know outcasts that were kind of on the fringes got to come together and then this it was like another movement happened um around it but all these people that you know were were eating the freestyle fellowship project blowed stuff right and um, you know, Freestyle was, you know, came back. That was a big thing at the time. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. it should be credited to, you know, people being influenced by by what you guys did. Yeah. Cold
3: like Bobby on the shadow of a doubt. A curtain has closed from a glimpse of me. Walking with the lip and a wonderful
2: smile, I dwelllop. Up. up and down the street, creeping, galloping, rubber neighborhood.
4: before we get too far off track with inner city griots while we were there, I wanted to uh, see if we can dig into bomb zombies. Cause that's, that's my, my favorite track on the album. And that was one that like just opened up a lot of possibilities. Why is
3: it your favorite track?
4: That's so funny. I mean, that was, I was just hungry, hungry for something different, something, um, something that I hadn't heard before. And that was like right. cracked open the head when I heard it, I was like, I Can't totally comprehend this, but I, you know, identify with it, and mm. um, it just yeah, it opened up a lot of possibilities.
3: I might fall beyond a shadow of a doubt.
4: Yeah, <laughs> the curtain is closed from the glimpse of me. Is that what it is?
3: Yeah, glimpse of walking to the street and a wonderful smile. I trot up. up and down, up and down the street, creek galloping, Neighborhood of soldier. Uh, LED person with the so, it's a strange sense of humor, rumor it is so. Another story, basically. I was really impressed with um they was bringing out the Tiffany's and all types of shit on that song, man. That shit was end up being really like, like an orchestra or something like that, like orchestrated yeah. madness. And I'm coming like fall beyond the shadow of a doubt. She had the baby, the baby had the key. Maybe the lady was really a he. I don't know. I think she broke her neck was oops yeah strange ass Jupiter man yeah (laughs) what's going
4: on in that last verse with the the, she had the baby the baby had the she maybe yeah what yeah what's happening there I I think it was like um, she had the
3: baby the baby had the key like the baby was smart maybe she killed her or whatever you know you ever seen those uh, movies or whatever like the kid is like you can tell the way he looks he's way super smart (laughs) yeah and more like you know that fucker's gonna do something right. if it one not last time before she cut off. So she ended up seeing like this fool and he's smiling or some shit like, you know, she got killed by her kid or he maybe was, I don't know. I don't know what the motherfucker that motherfucker was. <laughs> yeah. But like uh, the homie will say, yes, yeah, all in your head. So, so we talking about structure. Like, yeah, man, it was a dream. It was all in your head. I like that part a lot. Yeah. When it comes in. Right. It's all in your head. Like. Um, don't take it so serious, you know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah. I think it was in between some super conscious songs or whatever. Right. Yeah, it's it kind of like incongruous. I gotta be righteous. I gotta be right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs>
2: right.
4: <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of like a dark fable or some kind of gothic fiction. Like same kind of spirit to me seems like it was on the sun tank, took a day off and the moon stood still. Kind of a similar storytelling. Yeah. I choose the words that give you pictures of so that always been me. Um, it's really vivid. Yeah. I try to use, and not every word uh, gives you that. Right. You know, and I'm in love with words. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like there's a lot of, I was going through your, your recent work and, and, and work with freestyle fellowship. And it seems like there's a lot of the corporal, like I want to drink my own vomit cough and hack up blood and phlegm. Yeah, I was infested <laughs> with undigested, you know, it's like visceral. I, mean, I want you yeah. to eat, eat some yeah. hot garbage.
2: Right.
4: You know, so there's like this, you know, death and <laughs> decay, and it's palpable. You know, like it's that, that vomit. You can see the steam coming off of it, right. like the way you're saying it. <laughs> I was wondering if you checked out uh, Zizek's The Pervert's Guide to Cinema. Have you seen that uh, film or, or read the essay? uh uh-uh. He's like kind of analyzing horror films. Mm. there's a few lines that you talk about like apologize for my delivery and your new track and then on cleaners too you're like mumbling something barely audible right. so it got me thinking about what Zizek calls a partial object in like horror movies where like something goes out of control and like the, the lawnmower is possessed or you uh. get the the arm of a, a serial killer sewn onto you and now it's you know possessing killing everybody right so like something's operating in a way that it shouldn't operate in. And we have this anxiety that like, you know, the inanimate objects going to come to life Or, like in your track, when <laughs> the sun, sun took a day off and the moon sits still like yeah. the sun and the moon do whatever they want in that song. Right. So that, like yes. the, everything's out of order. Um, and I noticed that was like something yeah. that kind of came up uh, at different periods in your writing of like, you know, things kind of having an autonomy And taking on a life of their own beyond control, I guess. Yeah.
3: Like, you created something and you're living with the living. Like, that's purposely creating something that when people hear it, they heard it, but then they, like, like it, it became... It became a living thing because you, you you created something that's living in their brain. When I write stuff, it's like yeah, but how do you wrap it up? A lot of my things don't wrap up. It's to leave you with a with a sense of you call
4: your own conclusions. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> with sun took a day off and the moon Sit still, like the the intro that AC does. um always like mm-hmm. this in the tradition of the inner city griots, we take you through a journey into a story yeah. to a place to a time in a small town. So it's like this tunneling effect. And yes. like we're not we're not telling a story. We're going through the story into right. the into the time, into the town. But then he like kind of opens it up. So it gets specific and then he's saying, but well, you don't have to pay attention. It doesn't doesn't matter what that that small town is or right. place. It's anywhere. So then he opens, yeah. you know, the possibilities open back up. And I think yes. that ties into what you were saying of like the Lyrics constructed in a way that open up this possibility.
3: Check it out. And the sun took a day off, and the moon stood still. The only light was in sight when the one just passed that old onion field. If you look from where I'm standing, you see that old scarecrow. They say if you look too long, you might jump off that wooden bone. But between you and me, I think that's just a bunch of hey, you know, some even believe he responsible for the death of old man Dan. They found without his speaking But Isn't it so fascinating to read things and to know that, like, it, and I don't even know how it how it feels to somebody else just listening to that song. Uh, for example, I would only know how I felt, right? Like when I made it, like I'm like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, you know, am I really gonna say this? And AC wrote his part. I'm like, "Did you really just said that I?" This is like some some shit. Like like the best shit I would ever read or some shit. Or when you're around camping, you know, camping, everybody got there like. <laughs> like some more or something. Like I remember this one time where this man, you know, had, uh, you know, we always saying all these gory stories or something, you know, that you, right. you heard or something like that. That's what made me feel, uh, you know, when I, when I, when I'm saying, when I wrote that, I'm like,
4: oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like the song is haunted. <laughs> it's already haunted. <laughs> yeah.
3: Ah, that's the first time somebody, I heard somebody say it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, um, surprisingly, that's probably one of our, and AC don't want to admit this, he hate doing that song, shows, and I'm like, well, he never remembers it. Huh. I'm like, how are you going to not remember the song? It's not like you got the longest verse ever, dude. Right. Dude, I don't know it. Don't play it. I'm like, fuck, I'll your verse, fool, fuck that. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is one of the, like, you go on YouTube and shit, it's like one of the highest songs.
4: Yeah. People love this. Uh, so I started doing it when I performed yeah, it's an amazing track. That whole compilation is just that was the one when I got that too. It was just like Yeah. It blew my brain. I remember when it came out. Was
3: it ninety nine? Ninety eight? Yeah. Yeah. Oh me he sent me a triple vinyl. Yeah, that was that's a
4: that was a dope, super dope album. As yeah. a matter of fact, he made me want to listen to that shit now. Yeah. <laughs> that was in like when I I got turned into, like, Project Bloatem, the larger, kind of the new era of MCs that you Mm -hmm. were coming out with that were on that, uh, like, I hadn't heard anybody, any of those guys, Mm -hmm. like, uh, OMD or Circus and uh, St. Mark, 923, you know, all those guys were were new to me, and it just, it all blew my mind.
3: Yeah, uh, right for
4: me, yeah. Yeah. That that album kind of, like, got
3: me I was I didn't know the homies was like that hard. Like I was like paying attention to them like more like, damn, this was hard. Oh yeah. And
4: for me to like stay on my toes. So to wrap it up, you said you were thinking about Cleaners 3. Is there anything else in the works?
3: Um not yet, that's just what I'm kinda working on now, just out here. But um I mean I put out singles, that that last single was just um Something I wanted to do since I was out here in Atlanta, and uh, made sense. And yeah, um, I have a distribution label, so I can put out anything I want. (laughs) And uh, I'm thinking, yeah, I want to put something out on vinyl, just to stay, um, stay in it, you know. Yeah. Or or, let motherfuckers know I'm a writer. I I do this shit for fun. It's it's for me, mostly, you know. Right. Fans, and um, yeah fun still, you know, nice. Yeah, well, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Um,
4: uh, weird rap,
3: that's appropriate.
4: (laughs) Yeah, man, it was a super, super huge honor for me. I'm like I said, I'm a big fan and I love your work and your big influence on on me and so many people. So, thanks for taking the time to do this. Appreciate it.
3: You heard, man. Well, hey, thank you for, um, you know, I think that's just so dope that you guys have this. Thanks for having this council um uh, <laughs> open open arena
4: yeah absolutely uh, keep it going man anything you need i got you i appreciate it man. take care have a yes, good night sir. take care dog.
0: selfjupiter3.bandcamp.com is where you'll find selfjupiter's entire discography i'll recommend a podcast i really enjoyed this episode of rhythms per minute that's a podcast hosted by blood money perez and in episode five which features his guest, Gang, AKA King Vision Ultra. They talk about Big Just. And they really like deeply and eloquently describe what makes Big Just so special. And it gave me new appreciation for him. And I already was a huge fan of Big Just, but this just really deepened my appreciation for him. And I highly recommend it. That is the Rhythms Per Minute Podcast, Episode 5 some music recommendations. Uncommon Records just released Human Cloud Abandonment, which is an album by Tracy Jones. I've miles and miles, the landscape of nothingness, collecting the remnants of a relationship. Excuse me, please, the only time you talk to me is when I'm asleep. You fuck with my dreams, standing behind the moon and trying to force it down my throat. And it's a hard pill to swallow, and every time she drinks from my brown bottle, it sucks away my bone marrow. I may be hollow, but man, I'm still working on being invisible. I want to break from
2: life. Coach,
0: honey, babe, and then Bilal Salam has been putting out music for a while now, and Worked with some notable people like uh, Denmark Vessi and Quelle Chris, and he's put out projects in the past that were more like experimental soul, neo R and B type of stuff, which are really cool. But in December, and then in February, he released two albums, which are totally new direction for him, and which I find amazing, and I think. There are very few people that will appreciate this music as much as I do. But if you're into it, there's no one else doing music like this at all. It is deeply abstract rapping based on 5% Nation of Islam stuff and golf metaphors for some reason, and also a lot of martial arts references, and then the music is this it's like kind of classical music with electronic and sample-based elements.
3: Wizard with the knowledge on the razor blade's edge.
4: A lot was a fiver on the border. Saudi Arabia and Yemen. Gifted with the broad spliff, the victory was flawless.
1: The memories of the light, the wisdom infinite, manifest light particles like a mandelbrot. Medina gods with the green hovering in the atmosphere. The tang
2: is beyond the star supremacy. Him is with the flow slice like a guillotine.
3: Supreme jewels chosen by the gods after building for the education manifestation. Threads are given raised as if the solar radiation is the true elimination. The magnetic worship of the age. Original God with the plan. The M,
0: the all God with the insane stroke game. The build degree, tip to T.
2: The Oculus Science itself.
0: There's links to Tracy Jones and Bilal Salam in the show notes. And then, an album that came out about five years ago, which I don't think got anywhere near enough attention, is Flanch. It's the self-titled debut, and so far the only album by this group, Flanch, F-L-A-N-C-H. And it's undescribable. I don't know how to describe it, but it's exactly what I want to hear in rap music. It's just psychedelic. Completely unpredictable from one moment to the next. It just is constantly morphing and changing, and it's got all kinds of great vocal effects, all sorts of different genres mixed up with it.
3: I'm yeah. depressed, yeah. This is a confession of a soul's election of an old affection No discretion and no protection, just hold your breath in And hope for death before the soul's possession It's known oppression, transgression is man's lesson since adolescence But we aren't sapiens, we have sapiens Without salience, mental aliens Yo, this is my fable in my cradle The navel of mother able
0: love, evil love. spoken over wine, stained tablecloth Smoking what was made
2: as my anger blazes the chain
0: I looked at my statistics, and the last episode of Weird Rap got about half as many listens as the other ones, and I want to implore people to check out that episode. I think it's possibly the most important episode I put out, and look, I get it. Like, I don't listen to Sunspot Jones or Living Legends anymore. I feel like a lot of it's really more traditional than I like, but the story that is told there is really some vital underground hip hop history i don't think enough people understand what pioneers sunspot and mystic journeyman were how they did a lot of things first and paved the way for a lot of other artists and i do maintain that there was a few years in there in the late 90s when they were making really awesome special music which i still think stands up to this day 98 to 99 I recommend pretty much everything they put out during that time. That's uh, Weird Rap episode number five. Check it out. Just fucking listen to it. It's not that hard. I mentioned uh, YouTube.com/WeirdRap, aka Weird Rap TV. It's where I'm constantly linking new documentaries, music videos, interviews, live performances, and other Weird Rap stuff that I think is very interesting which is also where the Weird Rap discussion gang, a mostly weekly Zoom discussion, gets posted. The last couple of episodes we put up were on Far Side and the Billy Woods and Kenny Seagal album, Hiding Places. Before that, we did one on young black teenagers. If you only want to listen to it instead of watching it, it is at patreon.com slash weirdrap, just the audio version. Also... We got Weird Rap Radio, which is a Spotify playlist. I'm constantly updating that. You'll find all the links I mentioned through weirdrap.com. You'll also find t-shirts there. If you uh, want to give me a rating or a review, that would be nice. You can do that at weirdrap.com slash rating. You can write to the show at weirdrap3000 at gmail.com. Please don't submit your music unless you're confident that it really is Exceptional and weird. I get a lot of crap sent to me that I really don't appreciate. I got a new episode recorded, featuring Orko Elohim, aka Orko the psychotic alien, and Nomar Slevic, the paranormal investigator rapper. And I'm gonna try to put that out soon. So stay tuned.
3: This is what I want, or I might hand
2: him a. They can't
3: slow it down, they start it off You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just going to have to do it though. Yeah, I'm just going to have to do it though so slow it down for a while You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: I'm Yeah, rap. That's appropriate.